Hello, and today I want to discuss kind of a heavy topic and one that's quite relevant to current events. Um, I want to talk about police brutality in America, and specifically I want to discuss the history, um, why we are in this situation, and I want to talk about specifically how things are now and why it's so hard to prosecute and hold cops accountable for their actions. Um, and I want to end off by discussing what we can do and what the future holds, hopefully, for um, policing in America. So... It's worth mentioning that the very first police force, American police force, was brought about right prior to the Civil War um, as a part of a compromise between the North and the South to prevent the Civil War, which of course inevitably happened, but this included um, increasing restrictions on fugitive slaves and making it legal to prosecute slaves in the North and bring them back to the South. So many free African Americans in the North started to flee to Canada um, because what would often happen, as we saw in 12 Years a Slave, is they'd capture free African Americans and bring them to the South and you got a bounty, essentially. And that was the first sort of police force. And then after the Civil War, um, with the creation of black codes and um, uh, Jim Crow laws, as they're more commonly known, and intense seg segregation and subjugation of African American people, um, specifically economic subjugation, to ensure that they never were able to be truly independent, and um, the creation of sharecropping and tenant farming, which basically was slavery. In short, these white, rich landowners did whatever they could to find loopholes around the 13th Amendment and make sure that African Americans never had any rights or um, freedoms or economic prosperity. They thought of themselves as superior and they thought that any rights or freedoms or just equality for African Americans would be a threat to their lifestyle, to their livelihood, to their economic prosperity, and to their white supremacy and privilege, so they made sure that African Americans were systematically oppressed in every single way they possibly could. In short, they created the basis and the justification for the racism that and, and the um, terrible sentiment that we still see towards African Americans in America today, and they did all of this despite laws in the Constitution that said African Americans were free and equal in this country, which of course we know today is not true, um, because despite laws like the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, African Americans still do not matter in this country, and they are still killed by our police force. So. It's actually quite interesting to me because every single time African Americans have made strides towards equality and there have been 50 steps backwards. I mean, we see this after the end of slavery where, you know, obviously they were no longer in bondage, but we saw things like sharecropping and Jim Crow almost instantaneously. Um, and it was the same deal with the Civil Rights Act. I mean, Right after its passage, we saw the presidency of Ronald Reagan and the rise of conservatism, um, and we saw it again with Obama. He 
had so many great, amazing civil rights agendas, and he really, he really made the country better, I would argue. Um, of course, that's going to be a very controversial statement, but um, right after him, we see a figure like Trump, who is, you know, immensely polarizing and blatantly racist and currently hiding in a bunker while all of this is happening, which is unsurprising since he's an absolute imbecile. Um, but that's not the point. Essentially, every single time African Americans in this country have made strides towards equality or towards equity or towards justice, we see a retaliation of the opposite side where things just got worse. And I really hope and pray that this time around, things are different. I hope we can reflect on the mistakes of the past and ask ourselves, what do we want the future to look like? Because I sure do not want it to look like this. And what's scary about racism is it's a systemic issue in the sense that many of the younger generation have really eerily similar views to their grandparents, and those grandparents have views similar to their great-grandparents. And I mean, I frankly do not enjoy having conversations with my grandparents about race because, I mean, they're racist, and I don't want the future of my country to look like that as well. And it's, it's, it's scary to think that some of my peers have similar views to my grandparents. Um, because when we think about racism, at least the way that we think about it in America, it was brought about as a way to justify the discrimination and torture of um, African Americans. And, and not only the torture, I mean, they were um, forced to work painfully long hours, um, families were split up, they were, um, the, the women were raped and the men were beat, and uh, conditions were just horrific, frankly. Like, I, I, uh, it, it's, it's, it's bad to admit, but I, I try not to even read or learn about them because they were just awful. Like, the more, you, the more you know, the more you just want to cry. Uh, and of course we needed a way to justify this because if they were human, if they were people, if they, if they mattered, then of course we, we couldn't treat them in this way. So we had to make it, we had to, um, create a co uh, whole nother social construct so that we could um, get some free labor. And you had scientists who would claim things like African Americans don't feel pain and um, that they need less sleep than white people, even though, of course, as we know, there are absolutely no biological differences between black people and white people. Um, but after we finally acknowledged that this was wrong, the damage was done, frankly. I mean, we still use a lot of the same arguments, even if just subconsciously, to justify clutching your purse a little tighter when there's black man in the elevator. Or calling the police on the black girl in the corner who's just trying to sell some water so that she can go to Disneyland. I mean, come on, Permit Patty, like, ugh, that's just ridiculous. Anyway. I think for me it's the most interesting to see uh, like where this came from, this mentality of calling the police on black people, and of course a lot of it originates back to the loopholes that I was talking about earlier. Um, 
In the 13th Amendment, there is a clause that essentially outlaws slavery, of course, but it also says that it is legal as a form of punishment for crime. And, of course, that makes sense if we think about it now, because uh, black people make up only 13% of the population, but 50% of the incarcerated, or by some estimates, close to 70% of the incarcerated people in this country. And, of course, there has to be a reason for that, and it is because after the Civil War was fought and slavery was outlawed in this country, people in the South did not want to see black people gain economic prosperity or any type of equality. So they <laughs> they would actually go out and charge African Americans with whatever they possibly could. Like, I mean, like, whatever. Like, people were charged and arrested for being homeless. People were, um, just, just everything. I mean, if you consider the Emmett Till case, 14-year-old boy shot and killed, and the people who killed him were not even charged with the crime. The only reason that a court, uh, thing ever took place was because of media outrage and public protests and all of this, but things still haven't changed, and black boys and girls are dying because, uh, at the hands of the police without any repercussions. And that is the sad truth. The sad truth is America does nothing to protect its African-American population. Instead, we allow systematic racism, and we fail to even recognize that there is a problem. And what happened to George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Tamir Rice, Oscar Grant, Eric Gardner, Philander Castile, Samuel Du Bois, Sandra Bland, Walter Scott, Terrence Crutcher, and so many others show us that there is a problem. And it's one that is not going to go away overnight. It's just not. But it's a U.S. problem. And in countries like Germany, um... 267 people have been killed by the police in total since 1990. And in America, you also have to consider that so much of the police brutality just goes unreported. I mean, there's the people who are killed, so the police had to, had to um, at least file a report for their murders. But there's so many people who have been assaulted and um, overcharged for doing simple crimes, probably everyday things, and also, um, people who have been convicted of crimes that they possibly didn't even commit, and it just goes unreported and unseen in our country because it's just so systematically, fundamentally, there is such a big problem, and frankly, um, there's also a lack of consequence for the police officers. It's virtually impossible to sue a cop, which, um, if you've paid any attention to the news, you've probably heard about this thing called qualified immunity, and that's essentially the idea that a cop cannot be convicted for anything that a cop has not been convicted for before. And how are you supposed to convict a cop for doing something illegal if, basically, you just have to be original, is all they're saying for the cops. I mean, uh, I, I read some of these cases, and there's honestly minor differences 
most of the time. Um, I saw one where a cop, like, kicked this person into a canal, and in the other case, they kicked this person into some other kind of ditch or something, and he was set free because of qualified immunity because the lawyer was effectively able to argue that these two cases were different, even though they were just different kinds of holes, and, you know, that I have to violate a right that is clearly established, and the definition of clearly established is very much relative, and um, it's something that lawyers and unions have taken advantage of. Um, so, basically, if you want to murder people in America and you're a cop, it's just be original. <laughs> Which is um, really terrifying, actually, if you think about it. Um, additionally, cops... Um, unions have argued for laws which allow records to be cleared so uh, a cop can be fired and then um for for some kind of charge or misdemeanor or something uh if they are like overly violent or whatever and their record will be cleared so they can be rehired by a different um by a different unit or whatever and it's just I mean, that to me is legitimately terrifying because where else, like, what other profession do you see that in? If a, um, if a doctor, for example, kills someone, that is permanently on their record, that is public knowledge, and it is, they, they are essentially gone, like, they can never get a career in any hospital again because what kind of crazy person would trust a murderer with, uh, someone's life again? The, the, the thing is, sure people change and that's one of the greatest things in humanity that we change we grow it's really important but the fact is past actions are really 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 telling of what you will of future actions and um the fact is and especially you have to consider the fact that these cops are not being punished either so it's not like they are doing anything to change their behavior they're just getting away with it and that shows a really, really huge issue with the American policing system. And, of course, we can't discuss police brutality without discussing police unions. And, as we know, labor unions are... they're great. They um, have constantly been under attack by the government, which is obviously terrible, um, but they help all people who are, of course, part of the union to earn a higher wage, have free and fair treatment in the workplace, and they essentially advocate for rights for the different professions. Um, but police unions have, frankly, gone a little bit too far, um, and they want to keep all of their union members, and um, therefore they do a lot of work in making sure that they protect bad cops and make sure that bad cops get away with their bad actions. In short, they have made it virtually impossible to sue the cops or um, let them have any punishment for their crimes. They have made it impossible to investigate anonymous claims, um, protected the identity of bad cops, and gotten paid leave for cops who kill. Um, and frankly, I think our country is a lot worse overall for this because they have essentially hindered any change or any reform to the policing system.
Um, and that's just, it's, it's sad. Um, for example, the largest police departments like the LAPD and the NYPD have tried to fire eight, uh, 1,881 officers, and they have been forced to reinstate 450 of them, 25% of those officers who were fired were reinstated thanks to police unions, um, and that's just insane. Even basic common sense reform, uh, like in Cleveland a few years back, they tried to make it so that every single time uh, police um, pointed their gun or shot their gun or anything like that, they had to file a report. Which is pretty common sense, if you ask me, because of course you want to keep track of, you know, how much police officers are using these weapons, and you want to be able to pull up data if a certain police officer is, uh, um, you know, sued or anything like that, and um, if a police officer uses their gun too much in circumstances that don't require it, um, you can dismiss them, and it's, it's important, it's a pretty common sense reform, but, um, they argued that it would, that, uh, the act of <laughs> filing a report and the paperwork would make police officers hesitant to take it out in the correct circumstances, and that Mm, I think that is just so telling of the problem with our police system. The fact that they would be more worried about the paperwork that they would have to deal with. I mean, arguably, of course, I, according to this argument, they would be more worried about the police or uh, the, the paperwork than the actual cost of the potential human life that could be lost because of that weapon. Um, and it's actually quite interesting how much police rely on guns and weapons in situations that usually don't require them at all. Um, in fact, police officers in America are only given eight hours of de-escalation training on average and 129 hours of training on weapons and fighting. And that, to me, is just ridiculous and also very telling of the issue that goes that that's going on in America and also in addition to this there is such a big issue about the amount that these police officers are trained to become a police officer you essentially only need high school diploma and uh, I, I want to say around six months of training and in Norway for example you need three years of training and since 2002, or in between 2002 and 2016, they had four fatalities caused by police. Four! For comparison, in the United States, a hundred, sorry, 1,004 people were killed in 2019 alone in the U.S. And that, to me, is just ridiculous. In Finland, you need three years of training as well, and seven people were killed between 2000 and 2018. <laughs> Again, in US, 1,004. How ridiculous is that? We pride ourselves on being the country of progress and freedom and equality, and we claim that we are the best country in this world. How are we the best country when our militia, the police, the people who are supposed to be protecting our nation are killing people because of the color of their skin? How 
can we claim that we are the best country in the world when our police force kills almost a hundred times more people than these other countries kill in 10 years we're killing in a year that to me is just ridiculous and I honestly think that we need to stop claiming that we are the best country in the world because, you know, I personally am a person of facts and statistics. I like numbers because they make sense. Um, and frankly, there's just too much in this world that makes zero sense and it's it's frustrating to me. So it's nice when you can back what you have to say up with facts and statistics. Of course, there are other problems with that. Anyway, there's, that's not the point. Um, the point is that we are leading the world in only three things. Number of adults who believe in angels, um, number of incarcerated people per capita, and of course, defense spending, in which we spend more than the next 26 nations combined, uh, 25 of whom are our allies. So you make of that what you may, but I will argue that we are definitely not the best country in the world, and of course there'll be people who will say, you know, if you believe that, then just leave. If you don't think America's great, then just leave. And trust me, I will leave the minute I can, but unfortunately that's not a reality right now since I am a junior in high school. Anyway, um, I, I just am appalled when people try to argue that we're the best country in the world. The fact is, racism, sexism, xenophobia, um, anti-semitism, all of this is just at the core of what makes America, America. And if you can't accept that, then you are part of the problem. The fact is that it's so widespread and deeply ingrained that to remove it would be, it, it would take a lot. But we're getting there. Uh, and we might get there. I don't know. But it's, it's going to take a lot of work, frankly. Um, and the thing is, there's essentially two ways to approach this. Um, one way we call colored blindness, and the other way we call multiculturalism. And a lot of people argue that colored blindness is actually another form of racism, and I would have to agree with them. But I would also have to say that <laughs> there's so many small-minded pinheads, actual idiots, who are running America right now. Um, notably a president who is an actual idiot himself, and for them to understand why racism is bad, I honestly think that this idea that we are just all one big human family and that there's only one human race, I honestly think that is the best way to try and teach idiots that racism is bad. Because frankly, I mean, no one wants to be told, you know, I don't know, I, I, I just think that it's hard for idiots to understand that there are differences between people and that there's different kinds of culture and that African Americans have a certain way, uh, uh have a certain culture and, um, Indian Americans have a certain culture, and Asian, uh, Chinese Americans have a certain culture, and Vietnamese Americans have a uh, specific culture, and it's different, and there are differences, but we should love everyone's individual differences regardless, and we should 
try to make everyone feel included and equal and free because that is what America is all about. We are a melting pot of all different ideas and cultures and people and that is what is so beautiful about America. But the fact is, these idiots will n- don't understand that and they probably never will, frankly. So, I think the best way to teach them how to not be racist is to explain that at the end of the day, there is only one human race, and I mean that's a fact, um, and we should try to ignore the differences, and of course this makes sense, and I think it's good in the fact that it helps idiots and imbeciles um, understand why racism is bad, because of course why would you be racist if at the end of the day there's only one human race, and um, you know, of course there's no biological differences between people, um, uh, based on their skin color and the only differences are cultural differences which of course we see in the United States as well but there is a huge cost to colorblindness um and many sociologists argue that it actually makes the problem worse which i would agree with and you know i i i think i'm kind of an idealist and i try to believe that we should embrace everyone's differences and not only embrace them but encourage them because if we think about it difference is an individualism is the key to human progress and i think in america we value individualism a lot i mean we look up to remarkable individuals like bill gates and mark zuckerberg who um you know dropped out of harvard and were college dropouts and ended up creating multi-billion dollar companies. We look up to individuals like, we look up to celebrities, we look up to people, and, um, you know, we, we encourage individualism because that is the guideway to progress. When one person stands out of society and does something remarkable, it is inspiring to so many other people. I mean, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg helped create what we now know as social media and technology and they were remarkable entrepreneurs and we look up to them um so individualism is super important and many sociologists agree that it helps kids who are more diverse and of diverse backgrounds feel more included in school and feel happier and that therefore do better and of course we want the next generation of kids who are in school to do better. Nevertheless, it's a little bit hard for people to understand that and to love people regardless of their skin color in particular. And it's sad. It's sad, frankly, because I think that we would probably be living on Mars by now if we didn't focus so much on trying to make minorities, and specifically African Americans and Hispanics, if we didn't focus so much on trying to make sure that they never excel. Can you even imagine where we would have gotten in this world if we didn't spend so much money trying to ensure that African Americans stay at the bottom of society. Can you imagine if we didn't
put so much government funding into corrupt organizations like the police. And that's why so many people are encouraging that we totally dismantle it and rethink our policing system. And I, again, would agree. I also think that this idea is a little bit problematic and that it can sometimes rub people the wrong way because like, oh my god, no police? Like, who's gonna protect us? Who's gonna save us? And I promise you all those people are white. <laughs> because the fact is the police don't protect anyone. I mean, they do protect you, maybe Linda, but they definitely don't protect African-American communities. They arrest them and kill them for frankly no reason. Um, and this would be rethinking how we do the police and, um, rethinking their training, rethinking their purpose. Because the fact is, even cops themselves are kind of frustrated with it. Um, I saw this interview the other day of this guy and he was basically talking about how the police have been used to essentially try and solve all of America's problems. I mean, they're responsible for handling rape and domestic violence, but then on the other side, they're also responsible for handling drugs and um, all, all kinds of things. And uh, I mean, rape in particular, they're notoriously bad at, so maybe it would be worth considering um, breaking it up into different departments. I mean, we don't have police officers handling fires. If we have firefighters, and in the same way, we should perhaps have different units responsible for different things, but then also it gets more complicated because you can't just call 911 and have all of your problems fixed, which of course white people love doing. Calling 911 on black people is like their favorite pastime. Um, so maybe let's rethink the way that we police. Um, and I think this would start with defunding the police, first of all. Um, for example, Los Angeles just took, I think it was 150, uh, it might have been 150 million, don't remember exactly, but they took money away from the LAPD and put it towards education, specifically in black and brown communities. And New York also cut their budget, and multiple states and counties have opted to ban chokeholds, which um, I would argue needed to be banned a long time ago. But, I mean, at least we know that the protesting and the petitioning and all of this is making some change and some progress, which makes me really happy to see. Um, and then also making it easier to punish the police would be a really, really good starting point. Um, ending the thing that I discussed earlier, qualified immunity, which I think is frankly ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, and also uh, some states have, or uh, counties have opted to uh, get rid of no-knock warrants, which is what killed Breonna Taylor, even though they weren't even in the right apartment, which is just, it's, it's a really sad story. Um, and then also, uh, the thing is, reform is not enough, a lot of people are arguing, and I would frankly agree, because you can't reform a system that is based on systematic racism and that thrives off of it that you you can't reform something 
that is broken. You can't expect to abolish a few things and cut funding here and there and for the problem to be fixed. I honestly think that dismantling the police the way that they did in Minneapolis is it's a sign that things are changing and I frankly think they need to change more. The fact is America is becoming increasingly diverse and I think that we need to change the way that we think about racism in this country and we need to change the conversation (laughs) or I mean at least we need to start a conversation. I honestly think that is the best way to progress and I hope I'm right. (laughs) Um, Anyways, thank you for listening and I will be back with another rant (laughs) probably sometime soon. Um, And please, please, please sign petitions, um, protest if you can, totally understand it, it's a bit of a public safety health issue, so um, if you are at a disadvantage or uh, elderly, please, please do not protest, it could be really detrimental to your health. Um, But sign petitions, write letters, talk to people, talk to your family, talk to your senators, start a conversation, um, you know, spread information, do whatever you can, um, and hopefully things will be better in this country soon. I have a lot of hope. So, anyways, thank you. Signing off. (laughs)